Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse. I'm Vicki. And I'm Ken. I wish Artie was here. <laughs> but who am I kidding? Even if we saved him, I mean, the, the man killed Lena. How does he come back from that? How do we? Both Lena and Arthur cared about one thing above all else, and that is keeping the world safe from harm. We will find a solution. Hi, this is Vicki filling in for Doug with the episode credits for Season 4, Episode 11, The Living and the Dead. Guest cast, James Marsters as Professor Sutton, Polly Walker as Charlotte Dupree, Brent Spiner, Roger Rees, Kate Mulgrew, and Lindsay Wagner return as Brother Adrian, James McPherson, Jane Latimer, and Dr. Vanessa Calder, respectively. Created by Brent Moat and Jane Espenson, written by Drew Z. Greenberg, John Paul Nickel and Michael Jones Morales, directed by Millicent Shelton. Original air date, April 29, 2013. Turning now to world news, doctors in Europe are reporting a curious outbreak. Dozens of patients have turned up complaining of dizziness and dehydration due to excessive sweating. It's all being chalked up to the unseasonably hot, humid weather that's gripped Western Europe this past week. Officials are asking people to stay indoors and drink plenty of water till the heat wave passes. When we come back, why is this Secretary of State taking salsa lessons? The answer might surprise you more after the break. And now, the episode quick cap. Season 4, Episode 11, The Living and the Dead. Continuing right where we all fall down left off. Artie is transported by helicopter to the warehouse. Jane shows up with a theory from the regents. They have to use Sigmund Freud's mantle clock to get into Artie's mind to bring him back. Steve and Claudia enter Artie's mind while Pete and Micah search for a way to stop the sweating sickness. During their research, they find a reference to the Count of St. Germain, who was able to bring plants back to life. They assume he must have been using an artifact. They visit Professor Sutton, who is an expert on the period. He tells them of a ring the Count wore. The ring was buried with the Count, and there will be other items needed before they can get to his coffin in the catacomb. Professor Sutton, not being the most trustworthy of people, turns out to be the real Count of St. Germain, who was given a long life by an alchemist hundreds of years ago. He does help them retrieve the ring and is killed by a booby trap in the catacomb, or so we think. Pete and Micah use the ring to cure the world from the sickness. Later, Charlotte Dupree, who we find out is the Count's wife, goes down into the catacomb to find the ring, the diamond, and Sutton's body gone. Meanwhile, Steve gets bumped out of Artie's brain after distracting an adversary for Claudia. Claudia reaches the office and finds Artie in a memory with Lena. She helps him understand that he really needs to remember what he's done and convinces him to go through the door and brings him back. not spreading it has spread those are the words of dr vanessa calder from the cdc in atlanta the illness which only a few hours ago was thought to be simple dehydration confined to europe has quickly spread to virtually every corner of the globe the cdc is classifying the outbreak as a worldwide pandemic the fastest to have been declared as such in the agency's history we'll be covering this crisis around the clock stay with us hi we're back with season four episode 11 the living and the dead now for the artifacts of the week. The Count of St. Germain's ring. Go on, use the ring. The ring can restore dying or dead plants to life. Save the world. And Francesco Borgia's dagger. Why, how 
does the dagger work? Claudia knows. Tell them. You know. The, the dagger separates something evil, the orchid, from something good, the box holding it. So with Artie... You separated the evil from Artie. He brought him back. It belonged to a Jesuit priest who performed the first exorcism. Detailed descriptions of each artifact will be linked on our webpage. I know you're tired of listening to the astrolabe, but the more I think about it, the more confused I'm making myself. Okay. <laughs> it's like... Now, okay. Now what? <laughs> I should never be allowed to watch anything that you have to figure out. All right. So first, after editing last week's episode, I realized that I'm confusing in my head just where Artie imagined Brother Adrian. Okay. Because I always have a problem keeping timeline straight when time travel or time change is involved. So he imagined Brother Adrian after he used the astrolabe. And I keep forgetting that. Oh, okay. Which means he absolutely could have met Brother Adrian either in France or Italy or both. But Brother Adrian wouldn't remember meeting Artie because they changed the day. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. Okay. So when they asked Brother Adrian if he'd ever been to South Dakota, he said no because that's where Artie was imagining him, right? Okay, Yeah. so he could not have remembered Artie from either France or Italy. I still don't believe he was in both France and Italy, but that's just me. I don't have anything to back that up. I just don't think he was in both places. Hmm. Okay, and then a few episodes ago, I said that I didn't believe Artie was even in Italy because the Allidade would still be in the elevator because they reversed the day. Remember that? Mm-hmm. But then the more I think about it, the more I'm not sure because if the Allidade would still be there because of the reversal, then wouldn't the astrolabe still be where they originally found it? Or does the use of it keep it with the person who used it? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Could it mysteriously go back to where it came from? Well, that's what it, that's what we were saying with the Allidade, the dial in the elevator. Because mm-hmm. the guy said, we got to find out where that dial went. And I said, wouldn't that still be there? Because I already reversed the day. Right. But now, I don't know if I'm thinking about it right. It would be the same thing with the astrolabe, wouldn't it? Unless the astrolabe stays with the person who used it. Yeah, if Artie used it, he doesn't know where it's at. They took it. Right. I mean, but he had it after he reversed the day, is what I'm saying. Right. Yes, yes. He had it in his so position. If, okay. if we were going along with the fact that the Allidade would still be in the elevator because they reversed the day, then the astrolabe would still be in France where they found it. But does it stay with the person who used it because he had it. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so now I'm going to officially give up trying to figure this out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> until. Until, yeah, until I have another brainstorm. Because every time I think I figured something out and then I think about it later, I was like, no, I'm screwing up timeline. So I don't know. Oh. People are really screaming at me now. Uh-oh. Well, they have to be because I have more theories than uh, I, I can't even think of anybody who has theories. So on with the episode. So we add another actor to our list of Buffy Angel alumni. Professor Sutton is played by James Marsters, who played Spike in both Buffy and Angel. He also had a recurring part in Torchwood. Okay, I had watched some Torchwood, so he did look familiar. He was Captain, I can't remember if his name was Captain John Hart or Captain Jack Hart. It's been a while since I watched Torchwood. Yeah, it was one of the earlier seasons. I don't know if it was the first or second. And then he had a reoccurring role in Smallville, among many other things, I'm sure. So Jane sends Stephen Claudia into Artie's mind to bring him back before it shuts down. Jane has them use Sigmund Freud's mantle clock to enable them to get inside Artie's brain. This belonged to Sigmund Freud. It will allow your subconscious to interact with Artie's 
and hopefully discover why he is trapped. Yes, done. I'm in. You're not going in without me. Why do you think I asked for both of you? Really, all Warehouse Wiki says about the Mano Clock is it allows the user to enter the subconscious of another person at the cost of increasing attraction to one's mother for a short time after use. However, the users can become trapped in the mind of the target forever or be forced out by the target. The whole mother thing it has to do with Sigmund Freud. And again, they're using Sigmund Freud's mantle clock like they used Sigmund Freud's bronze baby shoes when they went into Jane's memories. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess Jane figured it was safe for them to use the mantle clock since Claudia's mother is dead and Steve's is, is in New Jersey. So they don't develop an attraction to their mother. <laughs> <laughs> Holy metaphor. Marty's brain is the warehouse. I can't say I'm surprised. But then in Artie's mind, they encounter Vanessa and she tells them it isn't safe. And we see Mrs. Frederick and James McPherson as well. Vanessa, good. You're, you're here. Will you for once do what you're told? Wait a minute. <laughs> That's not Vanessa. Look at how she's dressed. That's what she was wearing in Rapid City. This must be the version of Vanessa that lives in Artie's head, his memory of her. Since you won't go, I'll see to it that you make no further progress. Arthur sees me as the embodiment of danger and evil. And he can hear us. Wilson knows I'm very strong, and right now he needs someone powerful to get you two out! Oh, good casting, Artie. And I half expected to see Micah and Pete's old boss, too. Remember him? Yeah, but why? Um, Vanessa was trying to keep them away. McPherson said he was the vision of what Artie thinks of as evil. Yes. So I kind of thought that Pete and Micah's boss would be part of Artie's guilt because it was kind of his fault that he got killed. Yeah, no, but that was nobody that was close and dear to him. Yeah, I guess. So at some point, Steve distracts McPherson so Claudia can get to Artie. And he's booted out. So we didn't know if they would die. I guess only if all that darkness came over them. Yeah, I figured they got, yeah. Yeah. You know, the darkness reminded me of. What? The never-ending story. I never saw that. Believe it. Never saw that. Really? Nope. Yeah, never-ending story. She talks about the darkness. Yeah. Overcome by the darkness. But Mm -hmm. yeah, so I wasn't sure if uh, McPherson did something to Steve, if Steve would actually die, but he got booted out. So I guess you can only get trapped there if the darkness overcomes you. Mm -hmm. But then Artie doesn't want to be saved and he doesn't want to remember what he did. And Alina inside his head doesn't seem to know what's happened. Right, she looks very confused. Realize something's not right, but right. She, she looks scared too after a while when she's you mm-hmm. know. But Claudia knows that Artie wants to be saved. She says that you left clues and pushes him through the door. But what was the bump underneath the rug? Where in the bed and breakfast? Mm-hmm. Yes, because they looked at the floor and I thought Nina's body was there, oh, but I they didn't... never see showed anything. I thought it was. You know, Lena. Oh, maybe. I, I didn't even notice that. Could be wrong, but there was a bump in the, like, not a bump in the rug or say there's something on the floor uh-huh. with something draped over it. Oh, no, I didn't even notice that. Wow. I watched it twice, yeah. too. No, I know I'm half tired, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And I thought they were going to address it because they kind of looked at the floor, but nobody said anything. And I was like, okay, well, maybe it's not. But I thought it was Lena because when he, you know, already finished playing the, playing the piano and, you know, Mrs. Frederick, I can't remember what she said to him. Then Claudia and uh, Steve come in 
and she walks toward them and on her right hand side because one of was a bump oh i'll have to look like again. there was a body yeah i'll have to look again i didn't even see it that's what i thought mrs frederick says more than once that she made lena a promise so i'm still kind of hoping to see some kind of background about lena yeah i keep on hoping so too because yeah. she said that in another episode too and she keeps saying mm-hmm. that but she really doesn't well there was once where she said that i would keep her safe but i want to know how she got there and who she was and how they got her why does that say they will I kind of have a picture in my mind, but I don't know if it's, again, me. Because, like I said, when we did the metronome, I was convinced that Steve's mother had to put her hand on his heart, and I was totally wrong. But I have a picture in my mind. I don't know what the dialogue is, but I have a picture of my mind, of, in my mind, of Mrs. Frederick and Lena. Why do I seem like she's in the self, subconscious world? I don't know. I don't know. for a reason. It's sort of like in a subconscious world. People, I'm just going, my mind is just all over the place, and I'm not quite too sure. But part of me just wants to say, you know how sometimes when they put people in a self-induced, no, is it self-induced or induced coma? Yeah. Ready to heal? I want to say she's in some kind of induced coma. I don't know. It's something. I just can't put my figure on it, but folks, hopefully in a couple of next episodes, we will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. But it's, it's something I, I just can't put my finger on it because I'm remembering bits and pieces and it could be a theory. You're not in the world, but you're a part of the world or or in a globe kind of thing, if that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm just, like I said, I'm just guessing because it's been a while. Yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, talking about the new Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. So Pete and Micah have to go and find this, uh, find an artifact to regenerate the orchid, and they find the reference to the Count of Saint Germain, who could bring plants back to life. It totally didn't occur to me that this plant was used to spread the sweating sickness around England back in the 1500s, and now it's a flower again. So it must have been regenerated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't even occur to me until Micah said it. So they find Bennett Sutton, and he. Ends up being a drunk. That's too funny. And Sutton's the one who tells him about the ring, but it's buried in the catacombs, so they need a map, which they have in the warehouse, but they don't have a legend. And Sutton knows where to find the legend. Mm-hmm. And he seems to know what's going on. He says that's his period of expertise, and he rem- he, and he knows about the sweating sickness. It didn't take much to put two and two together for him to know that they're trying to stop the sweating sickness mm-hmm. let's uh, discuss the ring and your plan to use it i am a history professor i know what sweating sickness looks like i know the rumor an orchid that can make the sweating sickness come and go am i close to the mark maybe no. <laughs> i think the orchid has come back again and you two need that ring to reconstitute it to save the world bullseye i'll take your slack jawed silence as confirmation they break into Charlotte's house, and I really thought he was going to screw him, them the hair 
which he kind of did, but he didn't. He got the legend, too. Yes. Among mm-hmm. all the other things he wanted to steal. When they're in the calicones. Yeah. Now, at first, the Count took, he took another ring. No, he or took. Or that, whatever. What did he take off of there? He took the diamond. Okay, he took the diamond. Right. I thought, at first I thought it was a ring. I didn't realize it was a diamond. But I thought that that was actually the ring that they're supposed to use for the flower. When Pete slid the ring off, I thought it wasn't going to work because I thought he had it. But then when the wife came back in and said, oh, my husband. And I can't remember what, but I want to say the next couple of episodes got him in it. Yes. And I wrote that down, too. Yeah. I remember this episode specifically, and I didn't know it was part of the astrolabe. I, mean, I still don't remember where it ends up at, but I remember his character and him being up to no good. And if I, I might be totally wrong, but I think that there's going to be another Buffy Angel actor coming in for this part of the arc. Uh, okay. If I remember correctly, I could be totally wrong. But, you know, when he gets killed protecting Micah, he says to her he didn't know if being ageless meant being immortal. I kind of think he did know he was immortal. He was just putting on an act. I always wondered if being ageless meant being immortal. Apparently, a poisoned eye through the heart will kill me. Uh, That's good to know. Won't do that again. Oh, yeah, of course, because he said how old he was. And and even did... Did Michael say something? Did he say something about a vampire or something? Yes, that was hilarious because he played a vampire in Angel and Buffy. He was Spike. He was a vampire. I thought Pete made a joke or something, but... Yeah. But even when he got stabbed, I'm going, he didn't really die. He can't die. He's a vampire. No, he's not a vampire. Yeah, but kind of he is a vampire. Vampires but, don't die. Yeah, they can if you stab them in the heart. Yeah, but you gotta stab him with um, a wooden stake. Right, right. Yeah, but that wasn't a wooden stake. Right. It was just a poisonous dart. Right, but he's not a vampire. Okay, so you're you're like really, really old with a lot more reallys. Are you? What are you? Are you like a vampire? Or something? Oh, please! Vampires are for gothic novels, and apparently pre-adolescent girls. I don't know. I, I kind of like. I kind of like vampires. How is this even possible? Alchemy. An alchemist used a stone, a particular stone, to keep my body from aging. Oh, great! Another artifact we have to look for. No, don't bother. Long gone. So is the alchemist. So you're three hundred years old. That's amazing. Five hundred and nineteen, actually. I moisturize. I understand what you're saying, but what I'm saying is if nobody stabbed him his whole life, he didn't know if he was just ageless or immortal, meaning if somebody stabbed him or cut him or ran him over with a car, he could die. Vampires, they can be killed. He's not a vampire, though. What, that's what he was saying when he was dying. He didn't know if he was, if he was okay. just ageless, so that meant if somebody shot him or stabbed him, you know, it's just chances are nobody shot him and stabbed or stabbed him all his life. So he didn't know if that meant being immortal, meaning that no matter what anybody did to him, he can't die. But I think he already knew he was immortal. I think that was an act. Okay. So kind of like Steve. But... Right. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like that was an act and he already knew he was immortal. Although I can't okay. remember. 
But so is she then? I believe so. Yeah. Her wife. I I, I imagine so. If it's his wife, yeah, and she's as old as he is. I mean, we're assuming she's as old as he is because she knew the guy in the tomb. She called him Sebastian, so Mm -hmm. we have to imagine she's as old as he is. Right. It seems like they've been going through this. Right. So we have to imagine she's um, what do you call it? Immortal too. Random, random, random. And now for some random thoughts, facts, or things that we just thought were funny, or things that we just wanted to mention that don't really need to be discussed but deserve a mention. But first, the funny. I figured it had to be either this or a magical land made entirely of donuts. You're gonna throw up, aren't you? Oh, 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 hold on. No, 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 no! Two steps forward, one puke back. Technically, I don't have the legend, but I know who does. And, by the way, I only fly first class when others pay. I only fly first class when others pay. And on the plane? Swiped your nuts. Wait. The last three or four episodes must have happened all on the same day, or Mrs. Frederick was just too busy to change her clothes. Oh. Because she's been in that same outfit since they went to Italy, I think. I thought she always had the same outfit. To me, it always looked like the same outfit in every episode. The color might change. Yeah, maybe maybe it is. Maybe it, maybe it is the same. I'm just noticing it this time, I guess. I'm going to have to pay attention now mm-hmm. to see if it's the same suit all the time. It was funny because Sutton seems to have an issue with the size of Pete's forehead. Oh, that was so funny. And he mentions it more than once. <laughs> what say you ditch the uh, forehead here and um, interrogate me? Hey, wake up. Listen, we need you to tell us everything you know about the Count of St. Germain. That's remarkable. You could rent it out as billboards. Oh, right? really? Wait. Don't wrinkle your forehead. You look like sheet music. Hey, hey, hey. I have a handsome forehead, okay? Just ask my mom. And I think, as Spike, he used to comment on the size of Angel's forehead. Yeah, because he had a big forehead, too. Captain Forehead was feeling a little less special. Yeah, so I wonder if that was kind of thrown in there because of that. Could be, yeah, because, like I said, I didn't watch it. I never watched Angel, but when you see the um, previews, yeah, and the way they do their hair. Yeah. So the hair's always spiked up a little bit, and you got a big old forehead. Yeah. I'm wondering if they threw that in, like the the vampire thing, just to be funny. Yeah. While I was watching it, it was too funny. You know how commercial comes? I yeah. got up. Then when I came back, MSBC News was on. And I'm going, did my channel change? Oh. Because I'm thinking it's the real <laughs> Yeah. Because it didn't say anything about a plague. <laughs> he was talking, and I was like, so I didn't really pay it any mind, because I'm going, how did my station change? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I'm going, oh, stupid, that's the show. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. So that was the only thing. That kind of tricked me up for a minute, because I walked away for a minute, and that came on, and I'm going, okay, this is not on Pluto TV, Kim. You're okay. Yeah. You're, you're all right. <laughs> yeah, and they did it a lot. They did a lot of news breaks. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> confused so far there are no confirmed deaths but we do know that tens possibly hundreds of thousands of victims have been affected by this sweating sickness crisis the cdc fears devastating statistics by morning there is no question we are now witness to the worst catastrophe in recorded medical history i'm being told the president is about to make a statement we go now to the press room at the white house 
It was a good episode, though. It was a good episode. Yeah, it was. I have to imagine, though, that we're going to have to see HG pretty soon because Brother Adrian wants the Astrolabe back, unless they're just going to forget about it. I, I don't know, because I said, now I was getting, I think with McPherson, it was, to me, it was kind of dragging. And then even with, what's the one in the wheelchair? Um, Sykes? In the wheelchair? Yeah. Uh, at one point, it started to drag a little bit. This one seemed like, I don't know, I'm getting revved up. Yeah. Like I'm getting revved up again. So I'm like, and it's good. I'm, I'm glad because now I'm looking forward to the next one and the next one. Yeah. I'm just kind of, I'm getting impatient. <laughs> yeah. So I can't wait. I can't wait to the um, next couple of episodes. But right now I'm going, oh, good, good stuff. Interesting stuff is coming, Kim, because he's up to no good. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we'll be back next week for episode 12. All right, then. We'll see you next week. Did you really think that you'd get away with it? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, somebody ate the last of the oatmeal scotches in the kitchen. And you automatically blame me. Where is due process? Have we lost all semblance of civility? You have crumbs on your shirt, Artie. Circumstantial. Didn't somebody tell me they'd like to lose 10 pounds by summer and that I should lock up all the sweets? Yes, and you've done a terrible job. But don't worry. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, it is very likely you're also a fan of Eureka. And if you aren't, you should be. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Dud Gramley reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the 13th Warehouse. On Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. On Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. On our website at the13thwarehouse.com or on Podbean. The music for the 13th Warehouse, Reflections in the Mirror, provided by Esther Garcia under their standard license. See you next time in the 13th Warehouse. And now we're also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.